I'm Lisa Mullins, and this is The World. This Sunday is a day of national mourning in Russia. It's a day to remember the victims of Soviet repression. That includes the millions who disappeared in the USSR's vast network of prisons and forced labor camps known as the Gulag. Most of them never returned. Bridget McCarthy recently met an elderly Moscow man who did come back, and he's determined to keep Russians from whitewashing their history. Moscow's Gulag Museum is a modest reminder of a monstrous history. It's tucked inside a courtyard off of one of Moscow's busiest streets, right around the corner from the Cartier and Chanel boutiques. The museum's director is a 91-year-old historian and Gulag survivor named Anton Antonov Ovsienko. He works in a small, cluttered office on the museum's top floor. I am kind of a living museum exhibit. He's got a thatch of white hair and thick Coke bottle glasses. The only reason I'm still here is because of my eyesight. Anton Antonov Ovsienko is legally blind. He looks frail, but he's feisty. Feisty is the right word for Anton. Historian Stephen Cohen is the author of The Victim's Return, Survivors of the Gulag After Stalin. He is an extraordinary figure, sort of like he walked out of a crazed Russian novel. Cohen first met Anton Antonov Ovsienko in Moscow in the 1970s. And I was particularly struck by his certainty that the camp had made him the most cunning, clever person in the world. He had to be, just to stay alive. During his 25 years of absolute power, Soviet leader Joseph Stalin murdered between 10 and 20 million of his own citizens. Most perished in the Soviet Union's vast network of forced labor camps. Stephen Cohen says we'll never know exactly how many were killed. All we can say is it was a kind of holocaust. It was enormous. Tens of millions of people died, disappeared, and mass graves are still being discovered around the former Soviet Union today. Stalin's terror touched every family. In Anton Antonov Ovsienko's case, his entire family. His father, a famous Bolshevik military commander, was executed in Stalin's purges in 1938. His mother committed suicide in prison. Both he and his sister were arrested and sent to the Gulag. Anton was a student at Moscow State University at the time. He was accused of being a terrorist. But if you are blind, how can you engage in terrorism? So instead of being shot, he was sentenced to 10 years of hard labor. Antonov Ovsienko says his poor eyesight helped him survive the camps, too. Due to my physical condition, camp doctors tried to protect me from hard physical labor. But he still had to work. Everyone did, says Stephen Cohen. The Nazi ideology regarding Jews was to exterminate. The Soviet ideology was to make them work. Building canals and railroads, cutting timber, mining gold, no matter how cold, sick, or hungry they were. Antonov Ovsienko says several hundred thousand people died in the camps every year. He was close to death many times, from scurvy and starvation. They gave us tiny rations of meat and butter, but even that was often taken away by the criminals in the camp. Antonov Ovsienko says gangs often terrorized the other prisoners. But the criminals and thieves liked him because he would recite poems and tell them stories. 
and I was expected to do this after a while. So I always enjoyed the special status. He could also act and sing, so camp commanders let him perform in gulag theater productions. He once even sang in a gulag operetta. That was a lot more fun than the time camp commanders made him voice one of Stalin's speeches over the radio. They basically took me at gunpoint from the camp to the radio station and back. I had to read the words of the person who was my enemy, and I was an enemy of the state. This enemy of the state finally became a free man after Stalin died in 1953. His successor, Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev, shut down most of the camps by the mid-1950s. The great Russian poet Anna Akhmatova wrote at the time, Now those who were arrested will return, and two Russias will be eyeball to eyeball, the one that put people in the camps and the one put there. One day, Antonov Ovsienko bumped into the informer who put him in the camps. Anton could barely contain his rage. And I said, what about that trial when you accused me and lied about me? What did you think I was doing? And he became very shy and said, let's not talk about the past. Perhaps because this fellow, like many others who made false accusations, ended up in the gulag too. They did what they had to do, so let's not accuse them. They thought it would protect them. Antonov Ovsienko also thinks many of these people honestly believed they were protecting the country from spies and saboteurs. Twenty years after the demise of the Soviet Union, Russian historians are debating why so many people got sent to the gulag. Historian Stephen Cohen says there's no single explanation, but it's worth noting that Stalin's political terror gradually acquired an economic function. It became a kind of second slave workforce run by the political police, and the regime came to think of it as essential. Antonov Ovsienko says Gulag prisoners built much of the Soviet infrastructure and helped Stalin transform the USSR into a superpower. A lot of the major construction projects, plants and factories and transport arteries were built by prisoners. Stalin didn't care how many suffered or died. Cohen says Gulag work projects are plainly visible in Moscow today. The seven Stalinist buildings that look like wedding cakes, which include the foreign ministry and Moscow University, one of the great universities in the world, those buildings were built for the most part by gulag slave labor. There's a less visible psychological legacy of the gulag, too. Roman Romanov is deputy director of the Gulag Museum. This wasn't that long ago. On a subconscious level, it's still in our heads. We carry it with us. The Gulag Museum doesn't get many visitors. One reason, Romanov says, is that many Russians don't know their own history. His mother's entire family was deported during the Stalin era. Their village burnt to the ground. Only now, since I started working here, has my mother started opening up. But when I was growing up, not a word was mentioned. Nobody talked about it. His boss, Anton Antonov-Ovsienko, has never stopped talking, writing, and bearing witness. He's a kind of hero, I think. 
Historian Stephen Cohen. And his final heroic act was the creation in Moscow of the first ever state museum of the history of the Gulag. There is no other in Russia. For The World, I'm Bridget McCarthy.